Welcome to Rodman's Z Podcast. It's this month um, that we're we're going to be discussing is it's okay to fall. In the beginning, when I first started um, video these uh, episodes of my podcast, this was the first theme. I started this whole having a theme each month, and I thought um, this is the one that kept sticking each month, each year. So today, I just want to share that we have new two new guests, Joan and Jane. I really appreciate having new guests, but also willing ones. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight, just being a part of the conversation, um, you know, mental health and everything like that. When it comes to being okay with the uncertainty is messy, but I do appreciate your insight. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We're very happy to be here. Well, I just want to share a disclaimer for those in the United States and those uh, just um, if you are in crisis, the the new uh, number is 988, the Suicide Crisis Lifeline. Uh, if it's available in the States. Wherever you are around the world, I do encourage you to find what resources are available because resources are um, different for everyone, you know, and I just want to start, you know, I always say people say it better than me. I know they do. Albert Hubbard said this way, there is no failure except in no longer trying. What comes to mind when you hear this quote? Both, both of you could go. Oh, well, for me, I um, I didn't finish my bachelor's degree until I was 35. Mm-hmm. And people saw me because I had already, I already became a nurse. People saw me as successful and I just did not see myself as that. And when I tell young people today, they don't believe me that it took me until I was 35 mm-hmm. before I got my, before I actually went for mental health treatment and when I finished my bachelor's actually. So it's never too late. Um, and you, and, uh, um, hi, it's Jane. <laughs> For me, it was um, my relationship with Joan, my identical twin, that it had gotten to a point where it was so bad. She doesn't say she was hateful towards me, but I felt she was. But I was definitely hateful towards her. <laughs> And for me, we were raised to not have cutoffs. And I mean, cutoffs are okay for some people if they need it. But for me, you know, this is half my DNA over here. (laughs) And I'm telling you, we were in our, I don't know if it was our 30s or 40s, but I just, I just couldn't stop trying. I could be 101. I wouldn't stop trying. For me, it was it was too important to have her back in my life so mm. ditto <clears throat> yeah. ditto you know um a lot of times at least you know me working also in the mental health field is family's a big component it could either <laughs> make things improve or not and i and feel that um a lot of times um we minimize it sometimes it's like we just look at the tangible benefits that needs that the person may need but the environmental is huge too um well i want to say one thing i have nieces two nieces are twins oh i think they're seven now they're seven okay. years old so i so yeah they have two I, i'm not sure if they're identical but they feel it they were born (laughs) they feel very very close but um we're not sure yet um anyway could you share you know as you know new guests i like um those who are listening and my regular um uh, visitors to get to know you a little bit more so joan and jen could you share a little uh with those listening a little about your story what brought you both to where you are today you know one uh, i guess Either one could start. Well, um, I'm the younger twin, Joan, and um, 
we grew up, I just loved being a twin. Jane wanted something called independence. And uh, so I followed her to college. I didn't tell her. I applied to the same college. And she said, okay, if you're going to go to the same college, just don't put me down as a roommate request. We need other friends. Put her down. Hands down. I, I wanted her as a roommate because, you know, that was tough leaving home. I had been with her since utero. I mean, hello. It was very scary. And then I followed her into nursing school, but I dropped out. That was another thing I wanted to tell well, I was getting kicked out. I wanted to tell young people because they're so frightened of certain mm. things. Mm. It's okay to fall. Mm. I had a 1.9 grade point average because I didn't want to go to college. I was there because Jane wanted to be a nurse. So I was there to support her, but I wanted to be in the dorm and study. So then after that, she became a um, APRN. I followed her right into that. And then the happiest time in my life was when we were working together and when clients would say, you know, that's wonderful, Joan, but can Jane come in here? They wanted two perspectives, and that was my happiest. So we mm. were both therapists for years. We're older now, and we left the profession, and mm. it's a, what a profession and how it's going online. It's nasty, actually. Mm -hmm. Not only do people need more and they're not getting it, they're now, I want to share this, they are now saying that it's all trauma, all life stressor trauma, and I didn't know this, but in 1952, the first DSM had even schizophrenia as reaction to trauma or mm -hmm. life's stressors. And in 1960 or 60 something, they took it out. And we were both in psychiatry in the early 80s and then later on, and it's been a whirlwind. So that was long, thank you. Any questions? Well, no, <laughs> just a little bit more. Um, we were, rebels uh, after our father i think so wherever we were and maybe not always a good thing we were rebels and you know how it's frowned upon in um psychiatry for therapists oh, yeah. to come out with their own mental illness mm -hmm. and so that's exactly what we did we chose to come out with our own mental illness we, we waited for marcia lenahan the phd that created dialectical behavioral therapy she came out with hers and um, that was quite inspiring. So, and then we wrote a book with some helpful tips because it was really um, the way to heal the diagnoses, in my opinion, one of the major points you brought it up earlier is um, family or your, your, your own little community is everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, we discharge <laughs> patients back to problems, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Anywho, and so wonder, we, yeah. So we come out with our own um, mental illness in and, the book, in the book, and, and Joan's a natural-born comedian, so it's kind of funny <laughs> as well, lighthearted, and then some helpful tips tips that are doable for someone, say, as um, angry and ungrateful as I was. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because all those self-help books, once they get to those assignments, and I have to get a pad and a pencil, I used to just, you know, move that mm -hmm. off to the side and do something else. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, um, I always appreciate just um, when it comes to you know relating, especially when I think about we're talking about environment and family. One thing I don't like to do is reinvent the wheel. If something worked before, I don't want to take it out. So right. a lot of times when I'm talking to them, whether they're faith based or not, I'm like, "Are you faith based?" They're like, "No, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel." If they are, I'm going to try to support that so it's one of these things that you kind of um sometimes um i also like especially when doing support groups facilitating support groups is the stories and sometimes that's a unique way of communicating 
one of the one of the, I would say one of the most inspiring ways to communicate is through stories, just sharing your story in an effective way. Now, unfortunately, sometimes um, um, we can um, we can have a skewed view of what our past was. Sometimes we could kind of have this is where my wife has this book, untranslatable words. I thought it was funny. It's from Welsh. I'm gonna butcher the word. It's, it's hooray. <laughs> It says, a homesickness for somewhere you cannot return to. The nostalgia and grief for the lost places for your past, of your past, places that never were. I feel a lot of times we get lost in it. Sometimes we kind of convince ourselves that, you know, this is what happens. I talk to my brother all the time about our childhood, and it's very different. Perspectives very, are very, very different. <laughs> so um, in recovery and, and when you're, we're talking on the topic, it's okay to fall. I think it's very important to be self-aware of knowing where you were and where you want to go. And could you kind of share when you see this word and what you've experienced yourself when it comes to, I don't know, self-reflection and what was, what was one of the pivotal moments to kind of prompt you past certain negative barriers? Uh, I, I have one. Good. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, in Connecticut, we lived upstairs, downstairs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Ethel and Lucy, right? <laughs> and one day I was leaving my apartment and something I saw something in the corner of my eye. And what I saw was the size of a basketball, but flattened. Mm-hmm. And it was um, like flies had hatched. Mm-hmm. It's not unusual for me. I, would, I, I mean, I've left spiders, but I don't, Joan and I don't like to... Um, kill bugs and if I don't relocate them it's not unusual I had a whole thing of baby spiders one time so anyway all the flies were in a nice dark circle and for me that equated the most dark it was the darkest time of my life because I knew I in my outer world and that's where I realized that my version of my childhood, my growing up, my relationship with everybody, my version, I was leaving out the good and only focusing on the bad. So Mm -hmm. when you do that for 30 or 40 years, Mm -hmm. I feel like you've just programmed a computer and that thing called love is is archived. Way over there. It's somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned faith, and I'm so glad because I was—I uh, used to call myself a cafeteria Catholic. We were raised Catholic, <laughs> but I couldn't tell you anything really. I don't know what means a cafeteria. So, um, what I did was I joined a Christian church, mm-hmm. and um, I gotta say, even on an Easter Sunday, I went to a different church one time on an Easter Sunday. No one know, knew me, and then I was so thrilled that people started calling me by name and I felt welcomed I wasn't feeling welcomed in my own family and why would they ever welcome me when all I said was you know what you did wrong in 1972 (laughs) and how could you do that to me no no there was nothing but negative Mm. so it wasn't until I I dropped to my knees and had some faith Mm -hmm. and opened that part up where I then began to see things a little differently at just a different perspective and you know faith is such a beautiful way to get that different perspective and I have met some wonderfully I call them faithful atheists that they go out into the woods and look up and they just see something or feel something that I I feel like I see in the privacy of my own home sometimes 
and that's what my turning point was. I, I had to see it differently. I had to, mm -hmm. or I was going to be by myself in, in what I might, my version of what hell would be. Mm. And I was so angry that I just alienated everybody. My temper was so bad, people wanted to call the police on me. It was just awful. And I even named, well, I didn't name it. Mm. My nephew, I guess I scared him, and he named me um, Matilda. And I thought, wonderful, after that French doll, I thought that was <laughs> lovely. And he said, no, after that horror flick we saw the other night where the fairy godmother, this is how bad he thought of me. The fairy godmother killed the children, Joan, instead of them leaving them money for their tooth. And I went, what a bit, what a vicious woman. <laughs> and I, I couldn't believe he was naming me that. And um, mm. I want to say that you do not have to be addicted to a specific drug. We are all addicted to something. And I wish it were love at the time. Mm. But whatever I was addicted to, I want to say that bringing, because I was atheist, bringing AA, that's how Jane was throwing me under the bus there. She was bringing in a lot of AA terms and this would be me. Mm. Where'd you get that from again? <clears throat> it was a lot of AA and I want to say for somebody as concrete as myself, in the field, AA works to mm -hmm. me. I don't mm -hmm. care what, you, you could be addicted to breathing positive energy. AA works and it's really worked. So now I do believe in something. Mm. Thank goodness. <laughs> You know, I, I do find, um, you know, especially, you know, I was a, well, I still am a faith-based leader in my community, and what I, it's so complicated. You know, you have people who may have, you know, you'll be in a church setting, someone may, mom might be cancer, and then you have someone else in the congregation that you don't know who just lost someone from cancer. It's extremely complicated and, you know, in, um the dynamic but also it is is tricky because you know for me there's a lot of hurt the church has done you know the faith-based community has done a lot of damage but also there you know in communities that you're you know when you're in a community that you feel like you belong it's a wonderful thing i feel like with faith-based at the very least I, in this podcast i just try to inspire hope i treat it as a pure outreach ministry like if i went to another country i'm not I'm not giving uh, how you say it. I'm not giving you know, medical but I'm, or any need that way, but I am giving right. a, a place to dialogue, to continue mm -hmm. the conversation, because I do find that you know Victor Frankl was one of my inspirations. Um, reading his book, Man Behind uh, Finding Meaning, and he's just quantified like when he saw people giving half their bread when they were just there in the in the concentration camps, and people. He was like, oh, you're giving away some of your sustenance. But he said there's something more because those people saw there was another day forward. And I feel that is inspiring. Whether you are prone to faith-based or not, I find the fun, thinking something bigger than yourself is, is, is healthy. I feel when you, and the idea that we are so fickle sometimes, where we are so changing all the time. We are so selfish so a lot of times it's nice to see that there's something bigger that doesn't change that might be positive and that's basically mm -hmm. what i see when it comes to that you know speaking of selfishness which i believe i was that as well <laughs> you know a little bit more than you know the scales were tipping one of the ways that i changed how i viewed the world and and then myself was um i began uh, two things one thing i made a conscious effort to begin viewing people it started with joan 
I began viewing Joan through compassionate eyes. Mm -hmm. And as I did that, I was started changing my point of view of her. Mm -hmm. And even, and I might even be lucky enough, and I have been from both of my sisters to hear their point of view. Mm. And then of course I never thought of it that way because I was thinking it was something else as um, unkind as my thoughts and it wasn't. And so as, as I changed, yeah. Yeah, as I changed <laughs> my point of view, mm -hmm. you know, you widen the lens however you want to see it, viewing people through compassionate eyes, um, actually your whole world will change. Mm -hmm. Everything changes. Yeah. Whatever mm -hmm. your thoughts are is kind of what I believe is what you bring around yeah. you. I mean, everybody knows that um, when you're in that dating mode in life, mm -hmm. that you're, usually, you're attracting people with similar emotional intellect, as they call it. And, you know, yeah. it could be also, you know, a math person brilliant in math but also maybe someone as hateful as I was and um, think a lot of my my boyfriends were less hateful than me so I learned a lot through that which was wonderful mm -hmm. um, as well as with my relationship with Joan so just open your eyes and, and let somebody else give a point of view you'd be amazed mm. yeah Joan you have anything to add well, I was going to say that um, I was extremely hateful as well. See, mm. she finally admitted it. I, because I thought the flies, all those. If I if things. I saw something, if I saw something in the house, in the hallway, as big as a basketball, I wouldn't have gone home that day. Like, there's no way I'm going to go in. I am afraid of bugs still, even though I don't want to. Um, whatever. What I want to say is, when you have trauma, that inner brain that's like a lizard does take over. And I mm. just didn't believe, I kept reading it, but I didn't believe it was me. And it was a client that said, Jane and I had therapy cats. So I was sitting and the cats happened to have been in the closet. I didn't know it. And one of them jumped from the top of the closet down and it was really a big boy. I must have done that. And the guy said he had we, he had been my client for years, but maybe vice versa there. He said, you know, you ought to get that treated. And I said, what? And he said, that hyperstartle. Mm. And that's when I started realizing, wow, Joan, you are acting like that lizard you talk about all the time. Mm. My words were so hurtful that my ex-husband and, and Jane <laughs> said that they, were, they would rather have been physically beaten by me. I'm again blown away because what happens when you're that in it, you're in your illness and you're living in it, mm -hmm. you don't think you're that bad. Mm. I didn't think I was that bad, but boy, mm -hmm. look in that mirror, very hard to do. And hard. you know, perspective is, you know, a lot of times, you know, there's this one quote from Jonathan. You know, some of the best songs are sad, but songs are mm -hmm. as sad as the listener. Yes. <laughs> it is very, you know, I find that very, I was thinking it for a minute, I'm like, yeah, that's true in a way and then there's other quote from david gogan he said the most important conversation you'll ever have are the ones you'll have with yourself yes. i feel a lot of times you know that's a lot of times that is that it's okay to fall moments that's when you're like okay i'm at my last like I, I, a lot of times people want these milestone moments sometimes it's just right it's like i didn't this does not go well today let me try again tomorrow, <laughs> basically. Yeah. But the trying again tomorrow is the important part. Um, I'm going to ask you, I um, know you shared a lot already, but this is, this is wonderful. I want to ask you both, Joan and Jan, um, what has helped you both move past? I know you mentioned some, but 
and what did not help i guess that's one i want to ask also for those listening you know maybe struggling you know. <laughs> i'd like i'd like to say what has not what not, <laughs> has not helped because i lived it for a very very long time thinking this is what you should be doing <clears throat> yeah um and the the focus on every negative quality of in with, within the people around you rather than the focus of the positive qualities helped me you know so and how to switch to that mm. you know viewing people through compassionate eyes that's beautiful right mm. but one <laughs> yeah. day one day my son said to me i i i i have a son who i pretty <laughs> who much named me the nasty named her matilda <laughs> and um <laughs> one day he said to me you know, you really can't take a joke. <laughs> and I don't recall what the topic was, but that I was going to prove him wrong. I could take a joke because I couldn't. I was too serious and too negative. Mm-hmm. And so that's what not to do. Um, what I tell people, kind of like how my my version of grieving, and I prepared myself for this, and, and thank goodness I did, because we lost our parents not just in the same year but 12 days apart and it was uh, one was expected one was not and um which by the way is a wonderful thing to if you're if people are having a hard time talking to their version of a god or a higher power or whatever i think it's fascinating and amazing the results you can get by speaking to your deceased parents and even if there is nothing which i do believe there is something the 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 ways that you can come to more enlightenment oh i just said good and bad joan (laughs) uh what helped me what doesn't help is i feel this way when you feel that if you're an angry person and go from zero to 60 in a second or a half a second i couldn't even hear people saying that i hated you already and i will i'll ruin you until you run from me thank you um what helped me was when a social worker said because positive affirmations mm-hmm. to me were lies mm-hmm. and fake it till you make it. I didn't. She used to want to assault me when yeah. I would say that. <laughs> if you tell me that, I don't want to fake it till I make it. And I was like, oh, I'm a truth teller, whatever. You do have to sometimes first lie to yourself because maybe your affirmation is I'm well adjusted or, or I have a lovely family that loves me. Well, that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. So that helped me. Um, to lie that those were my mm-hmm. affirmations and then the other thing um, being tense less helped me so there were other countries that don't use in the past present and future mm. Native Americans were the ones that were doing the present thing so that helped me and then Jane viewing me through compassion eyes until I want to tell listeners if you have an angry lizard snake that you walk on eggshells around that person me wants you to make the first step because our ego is so if you heard it one more time i was ready to kill myself and i had access to the Mm -hmm. drugs i had the means i was a nurse i knew how to kill myself so anyway that was scary so if somebody can view a person who's an angry miserable person in your life and you're afraid of them through compassionate eyes it meant the world to me immediately i was thinking, wow, what the heck, she's doing some weird shit, I'm not gonna fall for it. She viewed me through that and I changed. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank and what, you. You know, let me add to that because the, um, the reason, one of the reasons I think it took me so long was I was waiting for the, um, the give and take to be a little more even Mm. And Joan's trauma was so much, um, okay, so much. Let me just say, so much worse than mine. It mm. occupied her life more than mine, maybe mm. or outwardly. 
And I'd like to share with people, because people said things to me like, why do you always have to be the one to say you're sorry? Why do you always have to be the one to make the first move? Well, first of all, Joan sometimes did make the first move, and Joan is a natural-born comedian, yeah. and mm -hmm. laughter really mm -hmm. is the best way to probably get through things. Definitely don't go my way with all that meaningful resentment. <laughs> Nobody wants to watch that movie a thousand times, but they're going to do the comedy over and over again. But anyway, you don't, you wake up the next morning, you're a whole person. I, you could say you're sorry 700 times. You still woke up. You're still a strong person. You're not a weakling that's always crawling yeah. back. When you mm. own up to what your part was in anything, it's always better and it offers that other person a, a chance to own up too. And if they don't, so yeah, with be dignity. It. Just yeah. be kind to the next, you know, it, I just thought of it because I never really knew what AA meant with do the right thing, the next right thing. And I mm. just feel like because that word right implies wrong. But, you know, we all know what the next right thing is. You know, just mm. think about 9-11 or any other tragedy. We mm. all know what that mm. is. So just try doing it. You know, um, I've been um, I've been saying recently, and obviously with the people I work with, accountability is not a bad word if it's a safe place. You know, it's kind of weird that we say right. it that way, <laughs> but it, right. it is. Um, and also, comedy. I I love me some good comedy. And one one thing about comedy that's that's great is that there's so much truth in it, and that's what makes it intriguing. There's like truth interwoven because it's something that none of us want to really say up front. Right. We're uncomfortable saying, but right. we're saying it, and it normalizes the situation. And it kind of is comforting because you don't feel like you're alone. You know that right. aspect. Uh, some of the best comedians could tell stories very well, interwoven with truth. But there's a lot of insight. A lot more than we like to admit while we're laughing. <laughs> but, and, but, and if you do it, you know, in a way that is still coming out of love, and you're, mm. you're you, you hopefully you love yourself now too, mm -hmm. and can use yourself. But when you do it in that way, you save each other's dignity. And I want to say that men, I feel like in our relationship, I, I mean, my ex-husband keeps reminding me, "You're not a man," blah blah blah, whatever. Um, I felt more man, like the man, and I, with my father, all we did was he called me his army buddy and we would go a half hour away to feed these cats, come back home, and he said, wow, that felt good, your mother doesn't let me talk like that, and I'm thinking, neither does Jane, and that's all I wanted, so we saw this movie, and don't, I can't remember what, what it was, but they, the person just said it in a bar, I didn't mean to say in a bar, it could be in a coffee bar, and the guy says, please do something stupid stupid right now so that I don't look so stupid and I thought wow that was so eye-opening for me because mm. that's where we go we won't admit we won't do the accountability it's all our ego and it's so sad anyway and, yeah it's you know there's a Pratt study you know if, if, if you look perfect if you seem super yeah. perfect in everything no you're not approachable no one wants to really right. yeah you know, right. that, that whole thing and right. also, um, I feel in regards to um, you know what we're talking about i feel you know understanding the humanity that we make mistakes we do make mistakes and you know it's setting those boundaries when we can set those boundaries to actually reflect and then when you can uh, kind of look out your look outside yourself you know i may have some perspective but some of the times at least from my experience personally but also working with people sometimes those those insightful things you want to share cannot be learned through words 
because words are so hard. Words are hard because you can't. I, I can say a word right now, and it means something very different for someone else. And so, being careful of verbiage and all that stuff is. But also, when you have that time to accountability, when you have that insight, this one quote says from Yulia Perlada. She said, "It doesn't matter how strong, well prepared you are if you have no direction." You know, sometimes we're just doing things. You see this a lot with. I'm going to help everyone in the whole community except myself, <laughs> you know. Right, and, right. Yeah, you know, and you know, at the same time, it's okay to like, you know, do something stupid, as you say. It's okay to kind of have fun, you know. I I ask I ask a lot of my clients, what do you like to do? What's your hobby? They, they look at me like that's a wrong question to ask. Right. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's 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 okay to be not okay. It's okay to fall sometimes. Yes. Um, uh, what uh, just as any final thoughts as we wrap things up and everything um, you know anything you want to add and we can put in the notes so people can find you and all that stuff but any final thoughts you want to share with us those listening and everything else I do um, I want to say that when we thought about coming out with our own mental illness uh, sometimes I get the person incorrect but who I believe said it was Vivek Murthy said the um, something about yeah this, is he the surgeon for no I think he's surgeon general I think I'm so sorry I'm not prepared <laughs> like, for no, that no, no problem but it was um he wasn't the surgeon general for the president right now when he said it he somebody in his family or somebody he knew suicided mm-hmm. and what he said was it's great that athletes and actors and actresses and royalty come out with their mental illness or addiction. He said, but until the mental health people come out and see you, you guys already did it. Everybody with AA and NA, why is it okay for you? And why were we discouraged for coming out? Again, adding to the stigma. Mm-hmm. So what I want to say is and what separation. Absolutely. So obviously you don't, you're not actively using when you're talking mm-hmm. with, you know, at least a day. And obviously the therapist is going to have to say, you know, this isn't currently my problem, but if you can't come out and say something to get the guard down so that that person can actually, you're approachable now, that that person can open up. I mean, we're losing a lot of people. So, and that's why we did it in the book. We came out, out from under, it's under the hood. There, okay. you know, that's why we came out with it. We want people to know, of course we left, but we want people to know it's okay to come out with it. Okay. And, um, um, what's the name of the book again? Can you tell the title? Under the hood, and okay. then it's how th- it's therapy twins. How we hotwired our brain, and then it swears a little bit, but oh, it's totally, it's, it's totally fun. Um, uh, we'll put all those. Calm the f down and um, let that s h i t go. Is what we did. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll put the link in the notes. And okay. Just share oh, and it's for with... free. It's yeah. actually free. It's an ebook. Okay. Okay. And um, and. and Anything else you guys want to add as we wrap up? Uh, don't wait as long as right. I did. Please, please start seeing. The, <laughs> you know, when the glass is half full, it's 50% empty, but it is 50% full. Oh, please, please don't, don't wait, wait as long do as I wait. Time is precious. <laughs> Life is precious. Don't wait. I know. Value your time. Value yourself. Invest in yourself. Remember... To stay updated with Revive Ministry through various platforms, ReviveMinistrysFL.com. This is goodbye from Revive Ministry Podcast, leaving with the last quote. It's from Tom Lloyd Cole. He says, every answer can be followed by another question. <laughs>